if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain that. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimal relationship. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The views, information or opinions expressed during the Journey podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and does not represent Wise Words Imaging or any other company. Wise Words Imaging is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy. Any of the information contained in the podcast series is available from the respective owner. Enjoy the show. Some say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say he's on a journey. It's the journey. And here's your host, David Hackett. Joining me today on the journey is Augustus P. Augustus P was born in 92 and he was born in Watts, California to Los Angeles native parents. But this was in the midst of the 92 Watts riots. And if you want to know what that is, that's easily searchable on all search engines. So he was sent to live with his uncle in Rome, Italy, and he's here to tell us his journey. Welcome, Augustus. Tell us your story. Hey, uh, how's it going? I'm good. Um, yeah, yeah um, that's good. Um, you know, as said, uh, born in Watts, uh, born in the uh, Watts riots, uh, they, they call it the L.A. riots. Um, it, was a, it was a real nasty time, but fortunately I was a baby when it happened. Um, but, um, you know, grew up. Um, actually, I got sent to uh, Rome with my uncle uh, to Italy. And, um, you know, he pretty much took care of me until I was... Um, around uh, late elementary, early middle school age, and uh, came back to Cali, uh, grew up in Cali, and uh, I started developing a love for poetry real early, real early. And um, where I'm from, it was called rap, (laughs) rhythm and poetry. But um, of course, you know, I, I evolved and I, went to higher levels of poetry with that. But um, uh, I ended up going to Bible school, long story short. And um, uh, it was all because I asked for wisdom when I was in uh, middle school, about to get into a high school. And one of my mentors asked me, he said, hey, uh, do you wanna be wise? And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. He said, all right, well, there's a, Proverb, there's a chapter of uh, Proverbs for every day of the month. Read a chapter every day and you'll be wise. So that's exactly what I did. And um, one day, it was one chapter. Uh, One day, it will be five chapters. Before I know, I'm reading the whole book every day. And um, 
I learned about the life of Solomon. I asked for wisdom like Solomon. Long story short, I, I, I get older. I go to Bible school. I start uh, helping people, start speaking at uh, poetry lounges, start helping people with the poetry. Um, and I come back home once again and I'm writing books. Mm. So you was inspired from a really young age, would you say? Yeah. So it says in your bio what you sent me, it said seven years you taught poetry and spirituality to fellow students and students mm -hmm. in schools in the Los Angeles area. I've got the notes in front of me, so that's why I'm looking down at the screen. <laughs> um, so did that make a difference to you as a person doing it as a young person? Did you felt connected to do it as a young person to do it that young? Well, it, it most definitely did. Um, there's a there's a there's a couple of phases when it comes to uh, doing writing. Um, when you're making the material, you know, whatever's inspiring you, that's what you're writing for. But once you get it on paper and you start memorizing it and you start getting ready to perform it, you kind of forget that you're actually writing this to help people, that you wrote this for the whole purpose of helping people. Yeah. So long story short, I end up um, uh, speaking the poetry and I notice that it's helping people. And it kind of hits me when I see how people are getting impacted that, oh yeah, I did write that to help somebody, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, I just seen how powerful it was uh, over time and how people were just changing their lives. I mean, we're talking uh, kids that weren't going in the best direction um, that, that, that grew up in a, or growing up in a uh, area where it's just saturated with the wrong kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, hearing poetry and cha changing their life around, it, it really did hit me, it, it touched me in a great way. And I know from my experience, because I've wrote poetry in my time, you have to be inspired by a lot of things. And, you know, you said yourself, you were born in Watts during the riots, you know, and they riots. Yeah. That in itself, even though it was damaging, can be inspired mm -hmm. for people to write things, I mm -hmm. think, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. And, I, and I must add, what we say here, it's our own feelings, it's not of anyone linked, you know, with Los Angeles at all. But yeah, I'm passionate about finding things. I'm always going outside, and you're probably the same. You're always outside looking for new ideas to gain inspiration. Yeah. So did you get any major achievements out of the people you talk? Um, you mean testimonials? Yeah. 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 Um, that have come to you like 10 years later and said, thanks to you, I'm now this, for example. You know, I've achieved this, I've achieved that because of you inspiring me. Um, yeah, most definitely. Um, there, there's been some cases where it's been desirable and then some has been a roller coaster, but the end result, of course, desirable. Um, there was one gentleman, uh, he was, you know, 
this may sound different for anyone that's not from LA or hasn't been impacted by the culture in LA, but uh, he was fascinated with the gang culture and uh, gang life. Yeah. And I mean, every other word that he would say would be gang affiliated. I mean, he was really saturated in this life. And uh, long story short, I did a, a poetry to him. I, I wish I could remember it to this day, but I did a poetry uh, to uh, that that he heard about uh, gangs and about how it was originally positive and how it's no longer um positive the way that uh, it used to be when it was the Black Panthers and things of that nature. And um, he took it and he, he kind of took it to heart. And in it, I actually directed the, the energy towards God and, you know, kind of led it towards the Lord. And he heard it and he actually started changing his life around, started going to God, started going to church. I mean, completely different person. And uh, that was in the course of a uh, that was all in high school, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So it says months before you were 18, you moved to Broken Arrow. Now, now I haven't been outside where I have been. I've been, I'm in, from England. I'm now in America. So I haven't been anywhere outside my limits of where I am in America now, except mm -hmm. for obviously Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind admitting those are the nearest biggest cities to where I am. But yeah. I haven't experienced it in city life, you know, behind the, you know, what you see on TV. Because on TV, you see a glossed look of cities. You don't get yeah. the, I'm not saying this in a derogative way, you don't see the nitty gritty war, as you would say, gang life, you know. And I'm not. Yeah. And I'm not promoting go to these cities to see the gangs because mm -hmm. you don't know what's around that corner. But <laughs> but the fact is, every city in the world, not just America, is different. Yeah. It's like when yeah. I was still in England, I was in a city which was the second biggest city in England. Now I was used to it. I was used to the locations, mm. and you probably can understand this because of how certain elements are, but I was in the location, I was doing an errand for someone, and someone asked me, can you go and pick something up? I said, yeah, fine. Mm. I went to that location. I was physically nearly knifed because mm. they watched my phone. Now, mm. I'm that city inside out. But... Sure. But the damaging thing was, they said, don't follow me, as you will be killed. Mm. And I won't be ashamed mm -hmm. to admit that. And I did chase. And a man in the car saw me giving chase, and he said, what's up? I said, my phone's been taken. And he mm. said, okay, get in, we'll try and find them. And he said, use my phone and call the police. I called the police. The police came along, and I'm not saying it's being racist. I'm not racist in any way. Yes. Oh, they, yeah. They said to me, okay, can you see anyone in the area which matches the description of you took your phone? And do you know why he uh, said that? Uh -oh. And do you know why they said that? Because I, uh -huh. because I was in a cultured area which was not my skin colour. Right. And the person who took my phone was the same skin colour of me. 
and they wow. and they wanted me to be arrested by the way they would challenge me. Don't get me wrong, the police officers were the same color as me, but they were mm. challenging me to be racist so they can arrest me for being racist. Mm. Wow. Now I went back to wow. the area a few weeks later, I was fine. But the point was it still left a dent in my ego thinking I was mugged for my phone. Oh yeah. Yeah, welcome to America. And no, that was in England. That oh, that was in, oh that, god. That was in my own country. Oh god. Wow. Okay. And I'm thinking, I'm not racist. You want me to be racist? I know what you're going to get me done. And in England, they use the word nicked, which means arrested. You want me nicked? Yeah, I heard that one. And I'm thinking, I'm not stooping down to that level because you want me to. So I understand elements of racial tension and this isn't about racial tension in any way, but the fact is, they gloss over the fact of how cities look. Yes, you see on TV, and you probably can relate to this because you are where you are. You see mm-hmm. what you see on TV is just glossed. Yeah. So going back to what I was saying, you mm-hmm. you moved to Broken Arrow. So I don't know where Broken Arrow is. I don't know. Well, I know where Oklahoma is. That's where mass, anyway, not to talk about, to attend a Bible yeah. school in hopes of becoming a minister to excel his work. Did you mm-hmm. um, enjoy that experience as well? Yeah. Um, considering where I come from and, you know, how I came up, not how I was raised. I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for how I was raised, but how I came up, the, the environment, um, it was like heaven. It was like heaven. It was completely different. Um, it was completely safe. That was different for me to be in an environment where you can actually leave your car door unlocked or your house door unlocked. Yeah. You know, and you you don't have to worry about nothing. And um, the fact that I was going there for Bible school, I remember one of the instructors. Um, we we were t- he was talking about faith at the time. And he started the entire speech off by saying, all of you guys, you came here from somewhere very far. And I'm sitting by some people that's from India, some people that's from uh, Muslim countries, you know, uh, some people that's from Bangladesh, uh, Brazil, a lot of beautiful people, you know, that I'm sitting around. And he said, all you guys came from somewhere very far just to come here and learn about God. Yeah, that's an act of faith. And I mean, oh. yeah, yeah, that that set things off for that entire experience, and it, it was like heaven. Yeah, and I know when I first became involved with the church where I am. Yeah, mm-hmm. where I am now, I feel every time I walk into my church. It feels like mm-hmm. heaven. I feel at peace. If I'm yeah. having, if I'm having a bad day, and you probably can relate mm-hmm. as well again to this. If you're having a bad mm-hmm. day, you go to the pray to the Lord or you go to the church. You feel at mm-hmm. peace. Yeah. Yeah. So it goes on to say 
someone in inverted commas had different plans for you. Instead mm -hmm. of starting a ministry behind the pulpit, you would visit people in need. So I assume this is sounding like what I would do as well. You went out to reach to people. You did outreach work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, outreach work, um, uh, giving to the poor, a lot of uh, giving to the poor. Um, I would, uh, what, what happened was it was kind of like, you know how pastors will be on call, certain ministers will be on call mm. to where they need something and they'll just call you to, and then the pastor will come over. Yeah. Well, people will call me to come over and to pray for them and to, you know, give them advice, things of that nature. And, you know, I, I grew up in a, um, in, in a technically pastor home, a youth pastor home, right? So I, I understood about being on call, but it wasn't until I left Broken Arrow where I actually looked back and, you know, thought about it and said, man, I was a on-call minister. <laughs> yeah. And it's always good to be on call because you're always there for when people need that comfort, that support. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know I'm not a pastor myself, or, you know, I do things for my church, but I'm not you know ordained or anything but i'm there you know i do things on social media i outreach to people who reach out to me sometimes i get told off for outreaching too much and they i get told why don't i have time for myself so i try and this is why i do the journey podcast because yeah. every journey is a possibility every journey yes, every journey is worth listening to yeah and that's why I reach out, because I want to outreach by letting people know there's different ways of life, like talking to you today, talking about yours. Yeah. I be, could be talking to someone next week who could have a different journey than yours. Yeah. But it all collates together because it makes one bigger journey. It's one big jigsaw for me. That's right. And, that's right. And if you look at it in the eyes of the Lord, the bigger picture is the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I'm not preaching on the podcast, but on YouTube, because I know some people will easily report it, and I don't want that. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> and you know how people are quick to condemn. Yeah, very sad. And so it says you could do to help, mostly advice, and it then goes on to saying, time went by, you started to notice that people gained results. So that inspired you to write again. So you yes. going out to, for example, myself, David, going out mm -hmm. to Tom down the road, or Jean, who lives two blocks down the road, you know, down. Mm -hmm. You gained inspiration. So what inspired yeah. you to pick up the pen again and start writing again? Um, all right. So, um, man, I got to kind of, I kind of, I kind of had to put myself in my shoes at that time. <laughs> Good, because so, I know it's about remembering, I'm saying, you know, I'm yeah. Yeah, and I still think of yeah. something. What did I do today? 
Yeah, but um, I believe <clears throat> what happened, I think this happened, I, this was based on a girl. Yeah, this was based on a girl. So uh, it was a uh, high school sweetheart that uh, I started uh, reuniting with and uh, she was still in Cali. Um, she, uh, we, were, we were still, you know, uh, talking, you know, just checking up on each other. And what happened, um, I wrote a poem to her and I couldn't see her at the time. So what I did was I went to a poetry club that uh, I usually would uh, uh, give my poetry at. And I wrote the poetry to her at the club and I sent her the video and, you know, a gift and all that, things of that nature, kind of dolled it up. And um, I noticed how the crowd responded to the poem. Uh, they were really digging it. So um, what I did was I said, all right, yeah, let me write her another one. <laughs> and uh, so time went by and of course we, you know, parted our ways again. Uh, as most American couples do. And um, I just, I kept doing poetry. I kept doing it. And I kept uh, going to that club and I, I kept writing. And what happened was um, the Lord brought me back to my roots, the roots of wisdom. And I started doing uh, Proverbs. And I noticed that Proverbs were a little more powerful than verses of a rhyme so to speak, because the whole essence of a proverb is for you to take the gem and to actually apply it to your life, to actually change your life. Whereas a rhyme is really more so emotional based and it's meant to move you emotionally. So I ended up writing my own proverbs. And before I know it, I end up basing books on these proverbs. And that's still what I do to this day. And um, it, I'm like I said, I'm still reading your notes while you sent me. So mm -hmm. it says you featured at every open mic poetry venue you could find into the states of Oklahoma was no longer a task to you. So yeah, it, I don't know how big Oklahoma is in comparison to where I, am. <laughs> I imagine it's a lot bigger than where I am. So. Yeah. You went to every town, every little city, every little corner, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, as a part of writing, you know, you got to kind of beef some things up. So it's not like I went to every slum and every hood and every, you know, every ranch in Oklahoma and things of that. No, but I did. Um, I, I did take a good tour across um uh, a couple of the uh, cities in Oklahoma and uh, every every club that I had access to, I, I, I hit. So it then goes on to say you were drawn back home to California, Cali, where you would do charity work. Now, mm -hmm. was that a complete different direction for you? Did you want to do for different direction? as well as doing the poetry? Well, it, it tied in with the poetry. Yeah. Because a lot of the poetry was talking about how 
giving to the poor is what we're supposed to do. And um, I was already giving to, to people when I was in Oklahoma. So when I got back home, um, it, it was very necessary for me to do that. I, I believed so. So did you come back to where you grew up, you know, California? Did you go back to where your roots were or did you go to a new location? Um, yes, I did go back to where my roots were to visit. And once I was done with the visit, I was gone. <laughs> I did not go back to uh, where I was uh, born. Yeah. Because things just, as time went on, it just got worse and worse and worse. And um, I, I'll share this. I, don't, I haven't really shared this. But I just, um, I recently went to a funeral that was based on that area. And um, it was indirectly, uh, it was indirectly gang uh, uh, motivated. Because um, it, it was my cousin and the way that he got killed was by a gang member and my cousin, he was technically affiliated with the gang, but uh, he, he, he didn't, um, as we say in LA, he didn't bang. He, he, he wasn't a gang member. So um, what happened was, you know, we ended up going to his funeral and uh, his brother got up and spoke and he said, look, I thought we I thought we had something clear. I thought we had an understanding. We were supposed to move out of this neighborhood. We were supposed to all go somewhere else. You know, the longer we stay here, the more we get killed. Don't come back here. And man, that hit me like a ton of bricks. It was it was like, man, that's that's very sad that we had to leave the place that we come from because it's so bad now. But you know, and that's that's just that's just a lesson learned for those that's listening. And you may have an issue leaving a bad environment, man. Just leave it. Just yeah. leave it. I don't you go know, find something better. Yeah, I learned that. It's like you know, people often say to me, "Why don't I go back to England?" And I'm thinking, mm. "No, I shut that chapter." To you know, I've been in America three years this year. I shut that yeah. chapter three years ago. Why would I want to go back? <laughs> yeah. And I've got people in America saying, I love your accent. So what's better, people in America, <laughs> I love your accent, or me going back to England and people's in those days. Yeah, exactly. So um, you did your charity work and you discovered, as it says, what issues needed close attention in your area. Mm-hmm. And I assume by what you just said, these issues were big. Yeah, yeah. Um, poverty is big in Cali. Um, when you grow up, when when you grow up there and you have good parents, you always have clothes on your back, you always have food in your mouth. Um, you don't necessarily know that you're poor as a kid, you know, um, you drive by homeless people in tents you don't really realize that this is something that's a problem. You know it's bad, but you don't realize that it's something that urgently needs to be dealt with. Yeah. I mean, like, you don't understand that this is one of the most impoverished but most richest 
areas in America. You, you don't think of that stuff when you're a kid. But of course, once I got older and I came back and I started doing the same charity work, it started to hit me. Man, we, there's a lot of poverty, but not just poverty, unnecessary poverty. Yeah, I can see we just came out of a depression or a hit or a pandemic, maybe. This is long before the pandemic. And we have streets, blocks, squares of blocks of just poverty. And man, I, I, could, I could go deeper into, you know, why I believe that's so. But I, I noticed that it was a problem. And, you know, I just wanted to, if I could just make a dent, you know, I wanted to do something make that imprint and make that difference. Yeah. And like I said, you don't see that on TV. You know, you see the glossy look, you don't see behind the glossy look. Yeah. And I think that's where people underestimate thinking, yeah, that's where the money is. It's not always yeah. the case. And like you said, look behind the gloss, look behind the cameras, look behind the major streets there is poverty yeah and it's rather upsetting and you know i've seen videos on you know on youtube and i've seen pictures it's not that's why i talk about it in a passionate way yeah because it's not all glitz and glam as people make out yeah yeah so um and then you realize in it, it's not just where in your area, it's nationwide, it's, and I said even worldwide. So, yeah. but in the case of the podcast on YouTube, we will say nationwide. You realized it wasn't just where you were, you realized it was nation. That must have been upsetting for you to realize that. Yeah. Um... It hit me like a ton of bricks once more. Um, it was, um, it showed me that there has to be an answer to this. With all the intelligent people in power, there has to be something that could be done, like a solution that's on the table, but somebody's dragging their feet on this. Yeah. You know, it, it, it became a little obvious. Someone's making money off of these folks being poor. And uh, just to, you know, I, I have studies on this, but just to briefly uh, hit the hammer on the nail, it all goes back to drugs. You know, everyone that's um, homeless, from, in, in most cases, they're hooked on some kind of drug. Um, their, their drug could be hard nar narcotics. Um, their drug could be gambling. Their drug could be a certain spouse that they won't leave and that they won't leave alone. But this person just keeps taking everything from them. You know, everyone that has some form of poverty or homelessness, it goes back to drugs. Yeah. And wherever you go, like I said, in America, UK, most places, drugs is a major fact in today's society. Yeah. Not, not for everyone, yeah. but 
for the people, like you said, who are on that, and I think they use the word here, breadline, where they can't yeah. afford certain things because that's how they think they can make money by having these things and thinking it will go away. It's not the, yeah. it's not the case of going away. It hasn't gone away. Yeah. Like I've said, I'm 37 this year. I don't know how, how many presidents have been in, in America since I've been born or how many prime ministers in England have been in England since I've been born. But yeah. major leaders don't change anything. You know, they say we promise. Where's that promise? Nothing's been yeah. changed to do that promise. Yeah. Now... Yeah. You as a person, you said you want to make that imprint. You're making that promise because the Lord has made you wise to it to make you strong. Mm. So that's mm. you keeping a promise. Yeah. And I appreciate that. That's good. That's right. No problem. And I see that. I mean, I can recognize that. And I hope yeah. my followers, my listeners, my watchers of this podcast realize you are, you know, you are one of our many people in our America, but you're making that difference because you want to make that difference. And, I'm, God, and I wish there was more people like that. Yeah. I, like I said, I make a difference by trying to make people aware of positivity. I try and make people aware it's not doom and gloom, but sometimes the doom and gloom has to be realised because all you see is, you know, the major things. You don't see, like I said, the things behind the stories. You just see, yeah. the, you just see the bold. Don't see the small print. Yeah, that's and, very true. And that's very true. It is true, and that's, you know, I think, and this is again, we. It seems like we can relate on a lot of things. It seems like you. Yeah. Old, and then you do see the small print. You want to see that small print because you—that's where the interest lies. That's, yeah. that's where my interest lies. But I can't yeah. make—I can't make that difference. I try and make mm-hmm. difference by highlighting it. Yeah. But I can't change the America. I can't change the world because of it. Yeah. Now, if I was to share this and it reached over a thousand people, yeah, it's reached a thousand people. But does that mean that thousand people will share it again? I don't know. Yeah. I hope it it does, but I'm not saying it will. Yeah. That's it, man. So you started to write a book for bad, yes, the bad boy. Mm -hmm. Um, And what was the inspiration behind the title for bad boy? Um, so I noticed, uh, action movies, you know, they, they never went out of style, so to speak, but around this time, um, there were certain actors that was raising the bar for, uh, action movies. And, uh, you, you, you know, you, you know, um, how, how it goes in Hollywood. There's certain people that comes in and they just raise the bar when Bruce Lee came in he raised the bar for fighting scenes. Yeah. Um, 
now after Bruce, you can't have a fighting scene that isn't coordinated by a real martial artist, you know? Um, and um, around this time, you have people like uh, Jason Statham, The Rock, um, uh, Daniel Craig, uh, even Tony Jaa was, was putting in work. I mean, you know, all these, all these great um, martial artists and action movie actors, they were just putting the movies out, you know, uh, bit by bit. And um, I said, man, this is really affecting um, this, this, this society. It's really affecting how men uh, carry their souls. And um, I noticed that the men will actually try to emulate the guys that they see in the movie. So they'll treat women the way that they see in the movie. And I said, man, you know what? This is all coming from the stigma of these movies. I would hear stories and in some cases it was mild, but some cases it kind of got out of hand where guys were putting hands on their, their woman and uh, the, it, it would lead to domestic violence. And I said, you know what? This has to be dealt with. So I went to the cool guy. The reason why everyone goes down this road in the first place, the bad boy, the guy with the house, the car, the girl, the girls, right? The girl after the girl. <laughs> uh, and I noticed also that the girls was actually looking for that guy as well. So you'll have a girl with a good head on her shoulders, supposedly. Uh, a very attractive young lady has her whole life ahead of her and she'll pass up this guy that's perfect for her. Uh, there'll, there'll be two peas in a, uh, was it two peas in a pot or two peas in a pod? Yeah. <laughs> that saying, yeah. they'll, they'll be perfect for each other. And she'll pass up the perfect guy for the bad boy. And I said, man, you know what? I got to do a series on this. I, I have to deal with this. And by the wisdom of God, um, I was led to do it. And um, I was um, empowered to, to do so. And it, it, it touches on every facet, every train, every, um, every misconception of what we think is really going on uh, concerning relationships. And there may be many that may say, oh, I don't need that. Just listen to a little bit of, you know, just listen to the first chapter. You'll, you'll be amazed how this deals with a little bit of everything because problems don't come in your face. They don't, they don't walk up to you and shake your hand and say, hey, I'm your next problem. Hey, you want to have a meal? No, it's very slick. It's very sly. And being a bad boy, dealing with the bad boy, uh, ladies being attracted to the bad boy, that's, that's very stealthy. It slips in very smoothly. And uh, it, it's something that everyone should be aware of. Yeah. So, and there's always, and I know this, it's always the case that the, it's the women, are, you, know, you know, are always attracted to badness because they think it's good. It's like overpowering more than knowing what's, mm -hmm. you know, down the street or down the other block. Mm -hmm. It's like mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um. Yeah. It's like I'm not going to say names because I don't say any names. But it's like I know one person, and they had a relationship, and 
at the time that I knew that person, he was still in school. And mm. he was bad, but strangely enough, there was one person that was good for him. Mm. But he was so bad, he didn't know that, that this person was good for him until he actually lost that person. Mm. And he lost a lot of respect and he lost a lot, you know, his family because of the way he, he went. Mm. And now um, he's in his mid-twenties and he's got nothing. Because mm. all he depends on, like you said earlier, drugs. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't get to see his family. He tries to see his family, but I know for a fact if he does try and see his family, he'd be arrested. Yeah. Because of what he did. He went mentally ill because... And the family couldn't deal with that. Mm. He turned to drugs. You know, he, mm. he he tried to change his way, but and people tried to see that he changed, but he didn't. And I wish, in a logic way, he would change, but I know for a fact he won't. You know, I pray to certain, for certain people in my life that, you know, and I will use the example, I pray every day my mum will change. Mm -hmm. Because my mum, she doesn't do drugs, I must admit, but she's a mm -hmm. better person. Mm -hmm. I pray every day she changes and she sees some sort of sense. And I know if she does find out about this podcast on YouTube, I don't mind because I'm being me, but... I want her to change. I want her to realise I'm not David what was David when I was living at home. I'm yeah. David 37 years old, living in America now. <laughs> That's a big step for me. Yeah. I, like yeah. I came here when I was, yeah, I was three years ago this year, so I was 35. Mm -hmm. That's a big step for me. Yeah. Like you made big steps in your life about, you know, when you were born in California, going to Italy. That was a big step yeah. for you. You didn't know yeah. what to expect in Italy. Yeah. Anyway, so you're now running an organization based on mm -hmm. dealing with common issues through literature. And you feature on well, um, feature, I'm not trying to read this, on well-known well book sites, which will probably will, and I'll ask you to send me the links by email. Mm. So you're on well-known book sites like Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, Audible, iTunes, etc. And you've given full access to a full library on your website. And you're claiming, and it says in the bio, this is how it's written, that you're claiming will soon be in the thousands. Yes. So is that your next target? Your next ambition? Yes. Your next vision? Yes, yes, indeed. Um, I'm not going to lie. The thousands, Mark, um, it might be a lifetime, uh, a lifelong vision. Yeah. You know, the thousands mark. Um, man, I would like to be in the thousands mark in the next five years. Um, I mean, that would just, man, 
to be able to tell people whatever subject you want to uh, get help on is there. But I'm, I'm, I'm working very uh, vigorously, uh, rigorously <laughs> um, on that. And um, yeah, you know, uh, all of the um, other sites I'm on there. Uh, everything right now is on my uh, wisdom library. So that's AugustusVaughn.com, my, my wisdom library on there. And um, yeah, it is going to be in the thousands. There's going to be a lot of free stuff. I'm working on a, a free audio book right now. It's going to be called Scrolls of Wisdom. And it's going to be a collection of all of my uh, just, I won't say random topics, various topics that um, some people, they conceptualize, some people that may not even think much on. But it'll be something that you could take and you could run with. Yeah. But um, there'll be much more works like that. A lot of free stuff that's coming out. That is good because, again, is a, doing stuff for free is good because, you know, apps and books cost. Yeah. Where you're reaching out, you're allowing it so people can access it for free because yeah. it's about doing it for free. You know, you don't get yeah. given X, Y, or Z, T, or as they call it in America, about money. You don't get given the money to buy the law to say, I'm giving you $100. Don't give that by doing this. You yeah. Because you're passionate about the subject. Yeah. Now, yes, indeed. Now you could say, yes, it takes me time. I could easily ask for money. But I can mm -hmm. see that. But I can see that's beyond you. I can see you don't want to be saying I want to charge people for gaining out spiritually by looking at what I want. Yeah, because that is, yeah. as you said, scrolls of wisdom is about spiritual reading, and I can see that. Yeah, and yes, if, indeed. And if it's available for free, grab it. Yeah. If it's for free, but if it's for free, grab it. Carpe DX, yeah. seize the day. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So, yes, indeed. one may not be superstitious, but considering, and it, the, I like how it ends on this bio, Augustus was born on the same day that the Caesar Augustus died. So, mm. you think that was why he was called Augustus? Man. I honestly believe so. Yeah. I honestly believe so. Because Caesar Augustus, um, the fact that he was called the August one, the 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 um the, the reverend one or reverence one, um and his name was based after the month of August. And the fact that he died in August, you know, that, that was very uh, big for him. And um, the fact that I was born on the exact day that he died, you know, I think that me being, uh, having that name, I think that was very important uh, just as a mark, yeah. you know, to leave a mark. And, um, you know, for many of them, they say, well, you know, Caesar was a Roman. How could you be a man of God and, you know, be named after a Roman? Well, you have to remember when Jesus was born, he was born during a um, 
a uh, pact that Caesar Augustus made. And Mary and Joseph had to go back uh, to their hometown so that um, they could get registered under that pact. Now, if it wasn't for that pact, Jesus would have been born uh, where he was at the time. He would have been born in Bethlehem, in his hometown, if Caesar Augustus didn't tell everyone to go back home. Mm. And the name of the pact was called Pax Romana. That's actually Latin for peace of Rome. So it's funny how the Prince of Peace was born during the time of peace of Rome. See, so God uses any and everybody that he wants to, to get his plan to come together. So the fact that Caesar Augustus is, you know, a Roman or things of that nature, and, you know, how can be a Christian? How can you be a Christian? You know, it's, look, God uses whoever he wants, however he wants. And, you know, the fact that I'm named after this gentleman is a privilege to me, you know, I, 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 I operate with that with uh, confidence. Yeah. Augustus, if you was to say to the listeners and watchers now, what message would you want to give them for the future? Um, for the future? Yeah. For now and the future, I would say, make sure that whatever you're doing you're not doing it for things. Let's get back to doing things for people. Let's get back to doing stuff, whatever we're doing, let's get back to doing it for lives, for people. Because when you do stuff for things, things are here today and they're gonna be gone tomorrow. I promise you, 20 years from now, 40, especially a uh, century from now. Some don't even think that we'll make another millennium. But uh, those years down the line of Ferrari won't really mean much. Uh, a big house won't really mean much. I mean, I'm pretty sure houses are going to be in the air by then. You know, just just uh, air houses. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that our houses today won't mean much in those days. So you don't ever want to do stuff for things. You want to do things for people because people will always be here. People will be the ones that will take care of you. And people will be the ones that will actually carry on your memory and your legacy. You know, if you're, if you're living for things, you're living for yourself. If you're living for people, you're living for your great, great, great grands, your great grandchildren. You're living for your legacy. And most importantly, you're living for God. Mentioned that Augustus P, thank you for sharing your journey with us today. Thank you, and let's make that world a better place. To that live. was the journey hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett, produced by Melissa Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe, and listen to another journey coming soon.